This episode is sponsored by Linode. Linode is offering listeners of this podcast a $20 credit, which is good for four free months at their lowest plan. Their plans start at one gigabyte of RAM for $5 a month. You can get your servers in any of their 10 data centers, and their high memory plans start at 16 gigabytes. Get a server running in under a minute. They do hourly billing with a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backups, node balancers, long view, etc. VMs for full control, running Docker containers, encrypted disks, VPNs, etc. You can run a private Git server. They provide native SSD storage, 200 gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors. They have 24-7 friendly support, even on holidays, and a seven-day money-back guaranteed. So go check them out at leno.com slash ifreaks. Hi, welcome to the iFreaks show. Today, it's just me, Girambo, talking from Brazil, and I have Erica with me. Hi, Erica. Hi, from Denver, Colorado. Cool, and today we're going to talk about... Well, today we're going to moan and rant and... Ask I think Apple. we're going to call it the rant show. Yeah, th this will be a, a rant show. So if, if you're up for some ranting, keep listening. If you're tired of ranting, maybe listen to it later. But we're going to talk about the stuff we want from Apple in 2018. And maybe the stuff we don't want from Apple in 2018. So Erica, why don't you start our list of things we want from Apple? I want Apple's new campus to be in Denver, please. If you've been following the news, you'll have seen that Apple has announced they're going to have a second major campus that they're going to build. And they haven't decided where they're going to build it. I assume they're going to do an Amazon and have cities bid for it. And if so, I want that campus to be in Denver so I can possibly, you know, connect better with Apple people. That would be awesome. And why is it important to you to connect better with Apple people? I know it's an obvious question, but our listeners <laughs> might be wondering. Well, for two reasons. The, the first reason is that most of what I do is I write about Apple technology. So just being around things means that I'm more available to communicate, visit, interact. That would, would be great. But also, uh, I'm down uh, potential job offers because I can't relocate. So if Apple had a uh, campus in Denver, you could maybe accept an offer from Apple. Or they could, you know, reject me and I could, you know, sulk in the corner. But I would sulk in the corner more locally. <laughs> cool. That's cool. Um, Google, by the way, is building a brand new campus in Boulder, which is just about 30 minutes away from here. And it's going to be a beautiful campus. They, they have it all spiffy. I'm talking about massage rooms, bicycles, the, the whole shebang. Emotional support dogs, too. Free M&Ms? Possibly. I don't know about the food. Cool. So late last year, Apple released the much-weighted iMac Pro, and people have been posting reviews, and they seem to love it. But they need other desktop computers as well, not just an iMac. An iMac suits the needs of many people, but not all the people. Uh, what, what Macs would you like to see from Apple, especially on, on the desktop side? 
I feel that Apple is sort of pushing away from having a lot of variety in its desktop line. Right now, we have the MacBooks, the MacBook Pros, the iMacs, and it's really kind of combining the iMac and the Pro. And we haven't seen anything in the way of a Mac Mini update. And the Mac Mini has always been the consumer model. It has been the model for people who would prefer to get their own monitors, do their own accessorizing. It's you know much lower in cost also. And when you have a company whose ideal customer owns a BMW, selling a Mac Mini may not be as appealing to them. And I really want them to bring a new, refreshed, modern Mac Mini to the table. And I'm afraid because they it is such a niche market. It is so small. I'm afraid that they're trying to push away from that and replace a lot of what we consider to be desktop computing with a new and enhanced iPad line. You know, just like the the MacBook Duo used to be both a laptop and a desktop. I'm wondering, are Apple or is Apple? which is the correct one to use. Anyway, is the company trying to push towards a consumer model that is a touch-based system rather than continuing to support their consumer line of the Mac Mini? What do you think? Yeah, last time someone asked Tim Cook about the Mac Mini, his answer (laughs) was kind of funny. He said uh, Mac Mini is a product in our product line, which is like, doesn't say much. Um, I I think the original purpose of the Mac Mini was to be the Mac that someone coming from Windows would get to like switch. So they already had their monitor and their keyboard and mouse. They only had to get the the CPU basically and connect it and start using a Mac. And then later they could purchase more expensive models. Uh, So if if that was the purpose of of the Mac Mini, it doesn't have a purpose anymore. But then there are all of those people who use the Mac Mini on the cloud. There are Mac Mini colocation services that you can use to host websites and other services on the cloud. There are people who use the Mac Mini as home servers and home media centers. So I think there's still a market for the Mac Mini, but it's a different market now. It's it's a more it's specialized, a flexible, market. specialized, powerful, adaptable. You can adapt a Mac Mini in ways that you could never do with, you know, an iMac Pro. Yeah, definitely. Uh, So I think you're right. I think they're going to move away from that for the consumer market. But I I think it would be a mistake for them to roll out, uh, not roll out a new Mac Mini, at least like some CPU upgrade, some GPU upgrade. Maybe they could even make it more expensive because uh, they could make it more powerful. And for the purpose that it's being used at the moment, I think more powerful is better than more affordable. 
because people are using them for more specialized and CPU intensive things. What do you think of the idea of a puck Mac? Like uh, an Apple TV shaped Mac? Mm hmm. It could be used in you know, the server centers. It could take up very little space. It could be extremely affordable. And those people who really are tied to their Mac Mini, it could be a way to move forward, but really focus on more of how the Mac Mini is being used now and sort of push developers to, you know, the iMac line who have as yet resisted. Yeah, that would be cool if, if they could make a Mac Mini that was like the size of an Apple TV, uh, maybe without a fan and with a decent processor, decent GPU, and like one terabyte of SSD, I think people would love it. Um, I, I don't think they will do it. Uh, I think it's more likely that they'll just upgrade the, the current form factor with new specs, but that would be awesome. I think it's more likely they discontinue it, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> because... Yeah. If you're talking the developer market, the developer market has always been very heavily MacBook, MacBook Pro's, to be specific. Yeah, like like myself, um, I work from home some days, and some days I go to the office and I use the same computer. And I really love to be able to have just one computer because as soon as you have more than one, you start to have to sync stuff between them and then you, you have fragment to, yeah you fragment you you have and of course you have to have backups of each system so it gets more complicated so i like the mobile approach and being able to have just this one mac that i take with me wherever i go and i can do all of my work with it it's it's really well let me throw free. some apple philosophy in there then and over the past 10 years, where computing is going is really that the data is disjoint from the hardware, that your data lives in the cloud and the hardware becomes much less important. And I don't see that as a path that Apple is going to stray from. If anything, I see Apple going more towards data in the cloud, user identity in the cloud, preferences in the cloud, bookmarks in the cloud. So this whole thing where we keep thinking of backing up our data and, you know, having to synchronize two different hardware units, it's sort of thinking, you know, five, ten years old. Yeah, and if, if you think about the kind of work we do, we can basically just install Xcode and uh, as, as soon as you have the environment set up, you will probably be using something like Git, uh, GitHub, and or some other Git storage, and you can synchronize your work that way. Um, but the whole mm -hmm. cloud thing uh, is still tricky because it assumes you always have a great internet connection, and that's not true for everybody, like uh, especially in some countries like here, uh, our internet's not the best. And True. having everything on the cloud is, is tricky. But yeah, it can be done. And I think we're going to see a move towards that in the future. And we are already seeing that. 
And I think with Time Machine and all of that, we've already seen Apple look at version control. We've seen Apple already enter the notion of where you are in time and history and commit and, you know, blame and responsibility that we have with Git. So Maybe I we think could that's... just like commit the entire Macintosh HD folder. <laughs> well, I think that Apple would be very happy for you to do that. And especially with different versions, because they're also in the business of selling cloud. Yeah, also let me throw this one here, since we're talking about cloud. I really think they should uh, improve their storage options for iCloud. The standard free one is pathetic, like really, really fi is. five gigabytes. You can't even back up the smallest iPhone with that. It's really yeah. ridiculous. So they, they should improve that. They have a lot of money. They can They can charge less or improve the capacity for people. Please, Apple. They want to bring people into their ecosystem and they want to make those people dependent. It's sort of like they're, they're, they're a local drug dealer. And right now, one of the things they're pushing is cloud because it becomes really wonderful when you know your data is safe, when you know that you can move from your iPhone to your iPad and you're on the same um, bookmarks. You're on, when you're reading a book, the, the book is on the same page. Keeping the same user experience across hardware, across time, and being able to play with time and go forward and backwards and so forth seems to be where computing is heading. Yeah, and before we start with our really ranty part of, of the episode, <laughs> uh, I'm going to say that their cloud services have improved a lot. We talked about this in the CloudKit episode. Uh, they have uh, improved a lot. And recently, with some updates of iOS, the, all of the local networking stuff got a lot better. I'm not sure what, what they have done, but uh, AirDrop, uh, Handoff, all of that stuff, Universal Clipboard oh, yeah. has been working a lot better for me. And For me too. Yeah, and I, I love to be able to like have my iPad on the side and use it for Slack. And I couldn't do that before because I would want to command C something and command V and I couldn't do it. And now I can, so... So mm -hmm. thanks for that. That that's something that they have improved. <laughs> they did Sherlock my paste catcher product though. Oh, <laughs> that's yeah. always uh, something that happens. It happens. <laughs> it's sort of a badge of honor. Yeah. But <laughs> while we're talking about you know the improvements, let's talk about something that you and I just loathe. So may I bring up Control Center? Oh yes, please. Go rant. Go rant your your heart out. Actually, it's not like the issue is not control center itself. I'm fine with control center. It works. It has lots of options. They even added uh, configuration settings for it uh, with iOS 11. So it's cool. But the issue I have with control center is the way you access it on iPhone 10. And I think that's something that really needs to be improved. And we've now, seen for people who don't have an iPhone 10, how do you access it? Yes. Yeah, so 
if you have an iPhone 10, you use the gesture that you'd use to access control center on another iPhone to go home. So you have the home indicator at the bottom and you swipe up, you go home. So they couldn't put control center in there, of course. So they decided to add it to the right side, the, the top right hand side of the display. So you pull down on where you have the battery indicator and that's when you get control center. And if you pull down from the other side, you get notification center. And you see, that wouldn't bother me too much because I hate control center being at the bottom. <laughs> yeah. But I, actually, I just uh, hate it. I cannot read in Safari. I can't read through an article without bringing up control center two or three times. <laughs> I always mess up. I'd much rather have it at the top corners. I much rather have it in neither of those. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have another option and they consider this because when looking at the leaked HomePod stuff, I found some stuff in there which uh -huh. had some videos of prototypes and we'll link it. I posted to Twitter uh, and those prototypes showed Control Center as one of the cards in the app switcher. So when you open the app switcher, you always have to you always had to the right the rightmost card would always be control center and for me that would be that would be fantastic yeah th that makes a lot of sense so it's it's kind of like the and you do home get screen. that by the way on iPads yeah yeah you you get that on iPad and they considered it for iPhone 10 but for mm -hmm. some reason they changed their mind later so let's you don't get it on normal iPhones either yeah, you don't. So let's hope that they change that and figure out a better way. For me, the the control, the app switcher card would be awesome. Uh, so they they could do that, and I'll be more than happy. For a short while during the summer, during one of the betas, they did have a switch in settings which said um, disable scroll for control center in apps. And then they got rid of it before release. Oh, yeah. I remember that you had an option to disable access to control center within apps. So they removed it. I mean, you still had access. You just double click the home button, assuming you had a home button. Yes. <laughs> but it, and it was great for that. And it's obvious the reason that they got rid of it is because of the iPhone 10, you know, being on the horizon. That's too bad. So yeah, let's hope that Apple improves the control center access method. Uh, and like as we are talking about control center, let me throw another wish in here, which is please Apple let third party developers add controls to control center. Wouldn't it be great oh, yes. to, to have like buttons from other apps or maybe just shortcuts for apps in there? Mm -hmm. I would love that. And it, not only that, but because extensions have always been user customizable, it doesn't mess up the interface unless the user says, I want it in there. Exactly. It, so let, let the user choose. I, I think that's a really, really good idea. And I hope you have filed a bug report on that. I don't think I have. I, I'm going to, as soon as we finish recording, I'm going to file later. <laughs> <laughs> but 
bugreport.apple.com. Our best friend. Yes. Oh, and you know, they're being so much nicer these days when they write back to you. It feels like there's an actual human at the other end. Oh yeah, my latest uh, raiders, they all of them got replies and most of them, of them have been fixed. Most of them were bugs and mm-hmm. they, and they followed up when when they released the, the version that fixed it. Uh asking me to test again and make sure that it was solved. So they, they have been more responsive over there. It's not just that they're more responsive, which is fantastic, but it also feels like there's a human being at the other end. And that has done wonders for making people want to file bug reports because <sighs> up until recently, when you filed a bug report, you would just step back and go, why am I bothering? You know, it's it feels like they don't value my time, my effort, but they want all my computer information. You know, they just send back de- more demands. And now it feels like you're really working with the company, that there's a back and forth. It, I think, has done wonderful things for developer rapport and just making developers feel valued. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and I, I've seen that, that change and it's a very welcome change. So for every rent, we have something to, to compliment <laughs> Apple on. <laughs> I still want Apple to give out gift cards if you give them some really good bug reports, though. That would be cool. Incentivize us. Yeah, if you're the first one to report a really nasty bug, you get uh, a gift card and the amount of the gift card is, is proportional to the nastiness of the bug. <laughs> I think that would be fantastic. Finders fees. <laughs> so tell me about AirPods, because I know that uh, you've been looking into those. Yeah, I've been wearing them a lot. <laughs> so AirPods, uh, it sounds like they they are the most loved Apple product uh, of recent because pretty much everyone that has them loves them, uh, and I'm no exception. Uh, they it, it's rare that a product like changes your life. Uh, I know that's that sounds exaggerated, but th- that's actually what happened because I was getting really tired of changing headphones all the time and having cables tangled up and ha- having the catch on stuff and that like cables were making me mad. So I really love AirPods um, and they really work like Apple advertises them. But of course, they could be better. Um, I, I think... <laughs> and how could they be better? What What have they done wrong? They haven't necessarily done anyth- anything wrong. I think it's more like this is the first version, so they are still experimenting. The way you invoke controls with AirPods is not very comfortable. You have to double tap on that little thing in your ear. And if <laughs> if you have headphones now, try tapping uh, like vigorously on, on your headphones. It's not a pleasant sensation. 
so I'm not sure how they could fix it, but uh, they have clever people there. So uh, let's hope they can find some some way to fix that. Um, I think they should somehow allow you to change the volume using the AirPods themselves without asking Siri, which is kind of ridiculous to ask Siri to raise or lower the volume. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a huge deal. I thought that I would hate the fact that I can't change the volume uh, without touching my phone, but it's not been a huge issue for me, but of course it would be nice. I thought that maybe they could add a like a touch sensor to the back of the AirPods and you could flick up and down. Uh, that would be cool. Maybe they could do that. Free idea for you, Apple. For you, the listeners of the iFreak show... Loot Crate is offering an opportunity to save 10% on any new subscription at LootCrate.com. Just enter the promo code BRIDGE10 for 10% savings. Loot Crate is one of my favorite things. Every month I get a box in the mail, costs less than $20, and it comes with all kinds of goodies. I have stuff from just looking at my shelf, Batman, Spider-Man, Ninja Turtles, Back to the Future, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, and much, much more. So if you're a geek, a gamer, anything like that, and you want cool stuff to put around your office, cool t-shirts, comic books, etc., then definitely check out Loot Crate. To save 10% on your new subscription, go to lootcrate.com slash ruby. Again, that's lootcrate.com slash ruby to save 10% on any new subscription. Enter the promo code BRIDGE10 for 10% savings. Using them is one of the great reasons for Hey Siri. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't use Siri with AirPods that much. Um, mostly when I use Siri, uh, I do it directly using my phone. But I know of people that love using AirPods with Siri. Uh, I have mine set up that if I double tap the left one, it uh, goes to the next track. Or if I'm in a podcast player, it goes forward 30 seconds. And on my right, if I double tap, it... Uh, place and pauses Uh, but everything else like you can take one of them out and uh, the audio automatically switches to mono and it changes the microphone if you're in a call yesterday i was having a a call and the battery was running out so i took one of them off and continued the call with just one put the, the other one in the charging case and 10 minutes later, I took the one that was charging. It was already like halfway charged and continued the call and put the other one. So you can basically have infinite battery life that way, alternating years. So that's cool. That's a very clever hack. Mm-hmm. How's, how is the connection setup phase for you? The initial setup is really nice, like... Most Apple things are, uh, you just open the the little case that the AirPods come in and a little pop-up shows up on your, on your phone that's nearby and you just press one button and it's paired and it automatically pairs to all devices that are on the same iCloud account. So from there, you can go to the little control center widget that has the audio settings and you can choose... AirPods. Uh, with that, I think they could improve 
the speed that the AirPods change from one device to the other. Uh, I'm really picking here because it's way, way better than with any other Bluetooth headphone. You had to, you used to have to unpair the phone with one device mm -hmm. and pair it with the yeah. other. And with AirPods, you just tap one button and it changes. But sometimes it takes like five seconds and <laughs> I know I'm picking here, but uh, if they could do it more instantly and, and more reliably, I'd love that. But still, they've identified a pain point and I think it's just really smart engineering to recognize that resyncing, you know, Bluetooth is just a pain. Yeah. And they, they've done a great job. Like it, it's a really nice product. So, uh, even though I have some complaints, um, the, it's way better than using any other Bluetooth headphone. Uh, not to mention that the audio quality is great. Like it's maybe even better than the wired ones. So mm -hmm. congratulations to them and please, please improve this. <laughs> I got my kids the low-rent version of AirPods. This was all the rage here over the holidays. They have um, basically these woolen knit hats, and they have Bluetooth speakers right around the ears. That's probably and, cool to sleep in. <laughs> and so when they're just walking around or, you know, at their desk or anything like that, you know, it's hard for you know, anyone to tell whether they just are wearing a hat or they're actually listening to a podcast. <laughs> That's cool. Um, you know what I, what with the, I want? I, with the AirPods, you've got those funny white things sticking out of your head. Yeah, the, visually, yeah, they're not very appealing when you wear them. Um, maybe they could improve that, uh, make them shorter if, if they, they can, but uh, it, it's a price to pay. Um, what I, I'd like them to be, uh, this is getting ridiculous, but I'd like them to be waterproof <laughs> so I can shower while listening to podcasts. Uh, yeah. That'd be awesome. That would be good. So yet another wish, please, Apple. Okay. Let me take you completely sideways. I know a lot of developers have been, I'm not going to say disappointed, but they're mental idea of where Swift Playgrounds on the iPad would be doesn't really match where Apple has taken the product. So where did you think Swift Playgrounds would go and how does that compare to the reality? What I would like is to have um, a more advanced programming environment on the iPad because currently when you're doing a playground um, and I usually do my own thing I, I don't use their templates or the, the little games they have which are really fun and, and useful but what I'd like is to get a more professional tool maybe because like the way they, they show runtime errors for instance they just say like oh there was an error and <laughs> the they don't tell you what happened. So that could, could definitely be improved. Maybe they could show you a stack trace uh, of what happened. <laughs> um, 
they could uh, allow you to edit auxiliary files because when you have a, a playground created on the Mac that you export for iPad, you have access to all of the code that's in auxiliary files, but you can't edit them. And if there's an error in one of them, you don't you you don't know what the error is because uh, they show up on iPad as plain text, like they don't even do syntax highlighting. Uh, so I think what I like is for Swift playgrounds on iPads to get more advanced and more professional. And I think what you're saying is very typical of the developers that I've talked to in terms of Swift playgrounds for iPad. But to me, I don't think that product is Xcode on iPad. And we may yet see Xcode on iPad, but to me, at least the way I see it is that this product exists to sell iPads to educational institutions and that the primary user of this program are teachers and students, middle school, high school, college, to teach the essentials of programming. It's not there to develop product. It's not there to distribute. And even though they have their own storefront, and they may open that storefront to homemade projects, I don't see it as a piece of software that's used for creation. I see it as a piece of software that's used for consumption and learning. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, if if the idea of the product is is that, and I think you're correct, then it's doing a great job because for education, it's a fantastic tool. Uh, even for education of existing programmers like ourselves, uh, I've used Swift Playgrounds on iPad to try out uh, different APIs that I didn't know about. So if that's their goal, I think they're doing a great job and they should keep going. Um, but maybe they could improve it for us, the regular programmers. <laughs> the regular programmers. I think the word regular and programmers don't go together. <laughs> for us, the weird programmers. Yeah. I was originally hoping that it would turn out to be something closer to HyperCard. Yes. That it would be a real playground that you could go in there and you can create little utilities and share them around and, and tweak and so forth. And I don't think that was really ever in Apple's vision. And as Apple is moving closer and closer to iPads being the primary product for creation, you know, whether it's Photoshop or uh, music or, you know, art or whatever it is that you're doing and using these as creative devices. And as they're moving customers away from the Macintosh, I do know that eventually there's going to have to be some sort of decision, at least internally to Apple, of where do we put our developers? Where do we create our tools? And if, in fact, we start seeing a merging of the user interfaces, which, you know, hasn't been proven, but 
you know, there's been quite a bit of talk. I know you yourself have been kind of in the forefront of following that notion. Um, if so, we have to see something new and different and harsh and ex cody and get down to worky. That and that's not going to be swift playgrounds. Yeah, probably not. Um, if they do that, it's probably going to be Xcode for for iPad. Maybe they could call it iCode. <laughs> <laughs> so, where do you see that going? Where do you see the progression of of touch device versus Mac versus you know developer tools and so forth? What is your vision of what you want and where they may be going? I'm really confused about that because. I use my iPad sometimes uh, like it's a notebook with the smart keyboard and and I like it like uh, I used to find it weird uh, using a keyboard and touching the screen I found it weird but uh, I got used to it and and I I, I touch my like... MacBook now <laughs> Yeah my MacBook exactly is full of and then there's that moment where you suddenly realize oh that didn't work Yes, and I thought it wouldn't happen to me, but uh, it has happened to me where I was working on my iPad and I went back to the Mac and I got myself trying to touch something on, on the Macs. <laughs> so it is natural for people to try to touch screens. Um, so I'm open to the idea of having like a... So, so I think... A slate. Yeah, I, I think they sh they should. Uh, I I'm not sure how they would handle it. That wouldn't cause the same issues that Microsoft had with Windows when they unified everything, um, because you can't have a touch interface to use with a mouse because it looks strange and doesn't feel right. And at the same time, you can't have a mouse interface to use with with your fingers. If you were to use the current macOS, how it is today with your fingers, uh, you'd be sad because the, it's not made for that. Uh, so I'm not sure how they would handle it. So I'm hoping that this new Marzipan rumor is a unification of the UI platform, mm -hmm. but not a full unification of the system where you'd have this issue of using interfaces with the input device that, that they were not made for. So using touch interface with a mouse or using a finger interface, uh, a sorry, or using a mouse interface with your fingers. Um, I hope they can figure it out and not make the same mistakes that other platforms have made in the past. If you take a look at an iPad, and let's take a look at the top-of-the-line iPad, between the keyboard and the pencil, because there's no real mouse. You are the mouse. So you're either going to be doing the big fingerprint or you're going to be using the much more focused pencil. You can do things today that 10 years ago just really were unthinkable in terms of precision, in terms of content creation, whether you're writing a novel 
uh, reviewing proofs, uh, editing your photographs, doing very complex reorganization on, you know, an architectural drawing. A lot of the pieces are in place to do desktop-worthy tasks. And we've seen over the last couple of years that really come into being. So why not? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I don't think there's a reason you can't do those kinds of tasks on an iPad. Um, I, I'm not sure just how Apple is going to handle this kind of unification of platforms and how are the software vendors going to react to something like that? Because um, I think what's holding back more pro software on iPad is the software sales model, maybe the, the App Store. Mm -hmm. it, it could be some technical limitation. Um, I'm not sure. I don't think it is. I think it, it's more of a business thing. Uh, so they have lots of problems to solve and all we can do is hope that they come up with the best solution. What they can't do is just like, let's have iOS apps on, on the Mac and have touchscreen on the Mac and do what Microsoft did with Windows 8 because that doesn't work. No. So let's see what else is on my list. Well, one of the things on my list is that very few people know how to say iPhone 10. Why has Apple not ma managed to train people to say the product they're buying? I think it's it, it's the fault of Apple for naming it 10 with an X and they should know better because of Mac OS 10 which a lot of people called Mac OS X. Um <sighs> So I think they should ditch the X. It looks cool, but it, it raises many issues. Uh, so maybe just use the regular number. <laughs> I, I think that um, it's going to be the iPhone X and we should just give in and surrender and just see what is the next big product. Maybe we'll, next year we'll get the iPhone XL, which will be the, the <laughs> plus version of the X. So would it be the XL or would it be the 10L? The 10L. Because XL, you know, extra large makes sense too. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not sure. We'll see. Are we going to see improvements on MacBook keyboards? I hope so. Uh, so the issue with the current MacBook keyboards, there are two issues actually. The first one is that some people really don't like them. Uh, I'm not one of those people. I actually love the new keyboard. Uh, I love that it's clicky and it's responsive. And uh, it, it, when I type on an old keyboard now, it feels mushy, like I'm typing in a sponge or something. Uh, mm -hmm. So I really like the new keyboard. What I don't like about the new keyboard is that they are not very reliable. And even though I... They're kind of fussy. Yeah, even though I haven't had any issues with them, I know a lot of people do have issues and some people have had issues multiple times where 
a single piece of dust will get under a key and the keyboard will stop working because the key will get stuck or it will not work anymore. Or they'll tap the key once and get two strokes. Um, so I'd love for Apple to keep making notebooks with this keyboard, but make so they are more reliable and don't fail so easily. They need to be robust to hold up the brand image. Yeah, and if you think about who is using this notebook, like myself, I, I basically type all day. Uh, I'm a programmer, so I, I exercise the keyboard a lot. So I, uh, if the keyboard has like a short lifespan, that you can't handle too many taps on the keys, um, that's a recipe for disaster. Or recipe for why they should bring back a new Mac Mini. But speaking <laughs> of uh, keyboards, um, what about the touch bar? Is it a phase? Is it a thing? The touch bar, I don't think, has been as huge a success as Apple hoped it would be. What do you think? I agree. It's, um, I, I've seen people uh, argue that the touch bar was a mistake and Apple should recognize the mistake and get rid of it. Um, I can see why people think that. I don't necessarily agree. I actually use the, the touch bar more than I thought I would when I got this new MacBook. I got it mainly for performance. I didn't get it because it has a touch bar. Uh, that says something about the touch bar. But um, I, I thought I would never use the touch bar, but I actually got used to it and I use it quite a bit. I use it in Xcode. I use it for text completions. I use it uh, for Sketch when I'm doing UI stuff. I use it in Safari. So I use it quite a bit and I like it. Um, but if I were to change to a Mac without the touch bar, I'd probably miss it for like a few days, maybe a week, and then I'll, I'll, I'd adapt and not look back. So we can definitely say that it's not a huge success. It's not something that, that's selling MacBooks. People are not buying them because of the touch bar. Will Apple back down and omit it from the next line? Or is it a matter of pride to improve it? Or a matter of pride that it will be embarrassing if it doesn't appear? I think they'll keep doing it. Um, because now uh, they have this second ARM chip on Macs. Uh, every Mac that has a touch bar has a second ARM chip, uh, just like the iMac Pro, but the one on the iMac Pro is more powerful. Um, but they already have the technology, and I think they're probably going to improve it. I think the low-hanging fruit is haptic feedback. If you could have very specific localized haptic feedback when you press a key on the touch bar. That would be awesome. Maybe uh, pressure sensitivity. So you had to actually press the keys or you could get extra options if you hard pressed. Um, that would be cool as well. Um, so I think they'll just improve it. So with WWDC coming up, do you think that we're going to see an evolution or do you think that we're going to see a revolution? 
I think we're going to see a revolution on iOS because uh, even on some interviews, Johnny Ive hinted that they are going to make some changes to the way iOS, the, the way you navigate iOS. I think the stuff they, they did for iPhone X is just the beginning. You can now navigate the entire OS without using physical buttons and the gestures feel really nice and fluid. I think they're going to expand on that and maybe bring some changes to the way you interact with iOS. Also, I think maybe this is the year we're finally going to get a dark mode on iOS. I think the OLED screen uh, fits very well with that and it looks amazing. All apps that have a black mode, I basically enable it because it looks amazing on the OLED display. And if mm -hmm. iOS had a global dark mode, that would be a lot of work for developers to adopt. But I think we've seen that uh, iOS developers are willing to do the work necessary to adopt new features. And natural selection uh, works out the ones that don't. Basically, apps that don't upgrade with the new features, they are forgotten and replaced by new apps. So I, I think they can they can pull it off, pull pull it off, and it will be a really nice addition. And so I think iOS is going to get lots of changes this year, and maybe some fundamentals are going to change for iOS. The other stuff, I'm not really sure. Um, I'm not sure we're going to see anything API-related with the unification of platforms. I think WWDC is too early for that. Maybe mm -hmm. that's next year. Or maybe they do it out of phase with WWDC. Um, they have been updating the content in their WWDC app for iOS. Uh, even after WWDC. So I think they could potentially make an, a huge API change in, I don't know, September and release videos and resources. Uh, I think they, they learned that they can do that because they did it for iPhone X. And as much as people complained about having to handle the notch and the home indicator, it worked out in the end, so I think they can definitely release big API changes uh, after WWDC. Mm -hmm. So we're running a bit low on time. Do you have any picks? Do you run your own freelance business? Or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side. Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere, available from any device, uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android, and all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat 
and enter DevChat in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter DevChat in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Yes, um, I've been watching this YouTube channel. It's really cool, and it's the 8-Bit Guy. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's a really cool channel. He shows off some old tech. That's why it's called 8-Bit Guy. Uh, so he restores old computers. And recently he had a series programming a game for old MS-DOS in assembly. So I really recommend it, the 8-Bit Guy on YouTube. That sounds terrific. I'm afraid I don't really have a pick for this week. I, I was so focused on trying to come up with a collection of things to rant about that I sort of forgot about it. So I think instead I'm just going to recommend um, my new bike. I just picked up a new Euro Mini folding bike, and it's called a Liberté, and it's really cool. It Old. It's not nearly as nice as a Brompton folding bike, but I can't afford a Brompton. But as folding bikes go, it's about 23 pounds, which makes it you know very movable and it fits in trunks and is easy to get around with. So that's going to be my pick. I need to get one of those so I can move around the city and bring it up to my apartment. Mm -hmm. uh, foldable. Cool. Yeah, having something that's very lightweight, it even has folding pedals. So the pedals will fold up and in to, again, reduce the space. And all the greasy bits get folded towards the inside so that you don't get a lot of dirt and grease and so forth on you when you're carrying it. So I'm really pleased with it. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I'll get one of those. So I think this is it for this week. Uh, thanks for listening to our rant and we'll see you next time. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.